I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 350 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest for you guys today that I'm sure many of you are already familiar with. Mike Lindell, the founder and CEO of MyPillow, is here. His infomercials have been on TV for a very long time. He sold over 45 million of his MyPillows. Mike is somebody that I truly admire for his sobriety. He has overcome an addiction to crack, amongst other drugs and alcohol. He is a shining example of the American dream and a dad who believes in God and the importance of family. Mike delivered some incredible remarks recently at the White House talking about both family and God, both very important topics to me. He has been featured on all the popular networks. His book, What Are the Odds, From Crack Addict to CEO, details his incredible journey from his drug days to his Las Vegas professional gambling days to being beat up and beat down in jail to his rise and redemption. The link to both his book and my pillow are listed in the description of today's podcast episode. And it just so happens that this past week marks my two-year anniversary of being sober myself. For me, that means no alcohol, no Oxycontin, no weed, no gambling. So having Mike Lindell on the podcast is a big honor for me. Mike will be here in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Mike Lindell was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you would like to watch the conversation between the MyPillow founder and myself, please visit my YouTube channel and hit me with a subscribe. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and coming later this week on Wednesday will be my interview with Fox & Friends co-host Pete Hakeseth. Pete interviewed me on Fox and Friends last year. Now it's time to flip the script and have Pete on the podcast here. He's got a new book out, American Crusade, Our Fight to Stay Free. Don't miss our conversation coming Wednesday. And get ready, guys. I have an incredible guest for what will be my 50th Navy SEAL interview here on First Class Fatherhood for a special Frogman Friday edition. Eddie Gallagher, who was falsely accused of war crimes and pardoned by President Donald Trump, will be joining me right here. So don't miss out on that. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with founder and CEO of MyPillow, Mike Lindell. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, if you're looking for a great night's sleep, you have got to get a MyPillow. Guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. There's a reason why MyPillows are flying off the shelf, and that's because it is a first-class product that's made right here in the United States of America. And the comfort doesn't stop with just the MyPillow. Check out MyPillow.com, and you'll see a whole wide variety of comfortable products, such as towel sets, Giza dream sheets, mattress toppers, MyPillow bathrobes, pajama sets, and so much more. You guys have heard my interview with First Class Father and MyPillow founder Mike Lindell right here on the podcast. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save up to 66% off their orders. That's right, up to 66% off on MyPillow.com by using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Or simply call 1-800-875-0219 and your savings will be instantly applied. Don't go another night without a MyPillow. Visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD or call 1-800-875-0219 and save up to 66% off your order on MyPillow. Joining me now, First Class Father, Mike Lindell. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having me on. 
All right, let's start it like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? I have four kids, and the oldest is, uh, I think they go from like 33 to 29 or 35 to 29. 29. They're, they're all uh, all close in age. And what, what type of uh, sports or activities were they all into growing up? Well, the boys played uh, baseball. Um, we went hunting, fishing, but, uh, um, you know, involved in football. They were involved in a lot of, th- lot of different activities. Okay. Do you ever, you ever get involved with coaching them with any of the sports, or you always watch that stuff from the sideline? Just, just one year um, that I did it. Um, you know, I was, uh, I was a, formal addict, a former addict, so I was a very functioning addict. So I, uh, I think the, uh, uh, because of my insecurities, I only coached that one year, and I was, it just was uncomfortable. The other, the other coaches kind of took over more of the stuff than I did. Yeah, and, and if you could, Mike, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, well, I, um, I've always been an entrepreneur, but I've, uh, you know, they, uh, I ended up inventing my pillow in 2004, and and um, it's a long, long journey that uh, I quit quit all my addiction, including including crack cocaine, on January 16, 2009, and God's put me in this incredible platform where, uh, you know, I've sold over 47 million my pillows, and uh, but that's just the platform for much bigger things. So it's. Uh, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> yeah, very good. When, when did fatherhood come into all this for you? About how old were you when you became a dad, and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Well, I came uh, became a dad. Uh, I married in 1987, and she had and she had a daughter two years old, and uh, so I became kind of an instant father. But I've always, I've always, you know, been the oldest child, and I come from a family divorced when I was seven years old. So I was put into being, you know, the oldest of the uh, siblings, and. Uh, and then uh, my, in 1987, my, uh, we had my, my first biological child, uh, Lizzie. And uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was life changing. And it was, um, um, it was, uh, it was a blessing. And that's, uh, and then we had, you know, back to back, we had the two boys after that. And so. Yeah. And, and Mike, like you, I'm a recovering alcoholic and an addict myself here. And a lot of times people want to always ask, you know, what was the thing that made you finally quit? So was there a certain uh, you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired moment that led to you. What, what was the, what was the case for you to get sober? Well, you, you, I got a book out called what are the odds from crack addict to CEO? And it's, it's, it was a journey of life. You know, it was a long journey. God was always chasing me. And I would tell my friends, you know, we got to quit this stuff. And, and it's a, I would tell them a Bible that I read about in jail and stuff. And they, they'd end up quitting and I keep going. And uh, it got to January 16, 2009. And, and when people say, was that your bottom, I made sure I didn't have any money or any material things left so I could show with God all things are possible. But for me, I knew that day that if I went one more day, there'd be, I used to work in a drive-in movie theater and there's, you had these at, at the, after the first feature, there'd be a next feature. And this was like where I was in my life. I, had, I knew that if I waited one more day, there'd be two choices, real A of the next part of my life or real B, and my calling would be gone at real A. I knew that it would be wherever path this was taking me. And so, you know, did it, was it a, was it a bottom? I guess it was a choice at that time. And it built up to where I knew that, you know, I couldn't go another day because uh, things were going to be different. It was going to be down this dark path or with God, all things are possible. So I, my prayer was that I'd be freed of the desire 
And I wake up, I woke up the next morning and all the desire was gone. But I do want to say two months later, I ended up going to a faith-based treatment center at our church. And I learned a lot of why I was an addict in the first place. And it all went back to, you know, that divorce, to fatherlessness, to, you know, I don't believe addiction is you're born with it. I believe it's stuff from childhood, from the fatherlessness or father wounds or um, trauma, all these things that manifest. For me, I, I, be, I got put into a new school when I was uh, seven years old, and I would either show up or I wouldn't talk to people. I became very, very, very almost shy. And uh, you can't get rejected if you don't talk to people. So I think a lot of people get wounds. I'm not good enough. I'm unworthy. And uh, and this is what manifests into that. Oh, uh, yeah. And for me, like you said there, you know, I know you're a faith based person. I am myself. And, and a lot of times, like it, it really is. It's a it's a radical change of mind. And really, that's what it is in the Bible where it says to repent. The word repent, it actually means a change of mind. It's a radical yep. change of mind is what they're asking for. And that's what it was for me. It was a mindset shift. I was stuck in a mindset myself, and I didn't even see a way out of it until I started to have that that change of mind. So I, I love to hear, uh, you know, recovery stories and stuff like that because I understand, uh, you know, what it's all about. I grew up with it my entire life. I lost my father to, uh, you know, cirrhosis of the liver. Uh, alcoholism has plagued my family uh, since I've been a kid. So um, I always love to see success stories like yours. Now, I mean, obviously, you, you've hit home run here with the uh, with the my pillow. Were you always an entrepreneur, even as a kid? Where did that entrepreneurial spirit start for you? Yeah, I was. I only had two jobs. So back in the day, when I worked for a drive-in movie theater and I worked for a grocery store, and I ended up getting fired at the grocery store because I didn't like the way he did things. He goes, you know what? If you don't like things, why don't you get your own business someday? And uh, and those words I kept bringing with me, but I was always an entrepreneur from having a garden and selling the stuff by the road uh, to, um, um, you know, I, I worked on a farm in Iowa, too, for my uncle. I said, you know what? He's making all the money. I'm going to go raise pigs myself. And I, I bought some, put them in a residential area, basically. And, and uh, I, you know, but I, and it didn't work out so well. But they, I'm carpet cleaning. My sister flooded a second story building. Uh, in, a, in an apartment complex with a waterbed back in the early in the mid 80s, early 80s, I guess. And I became a carpet cleaner and uh, and I became a lunch wagon business. I had all these different businesses, but it was all problem solutions. So I've always been an entrepreneur. And, and uh, you know, they, you learn if you fail here, you learn from it and you just get better and better and better. And uh, and uh, so it's uh, I enjoy it. Yeah, well said. And uh, have you had any, you know, your, your kids are older. My oldest, I have four kids myself. My oldest is 14. My youngest is five. So I'm not there yet. Did you have any of these uh, drug or alcohol issues with any of your kids uh, so far? Just, uh, you know, I did with the one son and uh, he got into uh, uh, marijuana and uh, and drinking. And uh, he, uh, he he's had a son, now my grandson and him and his wife. They both had problems with alcohol and drugs and they and, and marijuana, but they uh, they've gotten clean and uh, they've uh, fell in the Lord and they they just put everything into that little grandson of mine and it's just been amazing. So, but uh, you know, a lot of times I'm very blessed that way because a lot of times dysfunction and and I want to say something. Addiction affects all everyone, no matter how many forks you eat with. I think people get the perception, oh, addiction. That's just somebody on the street. No, there's all kinds of addiction. There's overeating, there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's sex, there's uh, porn. There's all these different addictions that's used to hide pain and hide reality in a false self, false sense of reality or, or hiding pain. And, 
And usually that dysfunction will go over to the next, you know, to your kids and stuff. And so it's a great question you asked, but I've been very blessed that it basically affected one of the other siblings. Now, I'm sure it affected the other ones. It just didn't manifest into addiction. Yeah, and you know what? Just alcohol alone, there, you know, on average, there's 88,000 deaths in the United States every year just from alcohol-related incidences. And it's like right now we're in a pandemic and liquor stores are deemed essential. So it's like the way we see uh, alcohol being advertised on every sporting event, we always see it like it's glorified. Every, every celebration involves beer and champagne and alcohol. And it really gives this illusion. I mean, I drive, before the pandemic, I mean, I always drive uh, Uber on the weekends as a side hustle. And all every mile I drive of Uber drives me further towards sobriety because all I do is see these people. And it, it doesn't look like it does on the commercial. I see lives just getting destroyed night after night here with this stuff. Absolutely. They need their hearts restored. And I said, during this pandemic, I'll tell you what, if anybody's watching this out there that has, that we'll do both sides. If you're, if you're an addict that's made it through, now it's a great time to reach out to your friends, same agents, that maybe the same alcohol or drugs, whatever it was, they look for common hope and you can reach out to them and witness to them and, you know, help them. They're looking for, they're looking for hope. They're living in fear right now with this pandemic. And what a, what a great time to get them set free. And if you're an addict, on the other hand, sitting at home, you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot of things you can't get to the faith-based treatment centers that actually work. The secular ones do not work. I will say that straight up from experience. But I will tell you, if you're an addict, everyone knows people that have, been, that have died and everything from this, like the opiate addiction, the heroin and all this. Reach out to someone your age. You know, everyone knows someone that's made it through. Reach out to them. That's your hope match. You know, so many people call me, Mike, you give me hope and inspiration. But the closer you get to your own age and the same drug that you reach out to them, say, how do you make it through? How do you make it through? We can make this the greatest AA meeting in history using Jesus Christ as our as our higher power, not all this other stuff that's made up. And in doing that, this will be part of the biggest revival ever. People look for hope in times of when things are bad and there's nothing worse right now than this pandemic. And we need to take away that fear and fill it with peace and hope. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Very well said, Mike. And I just I see it as right now. I mean, everybody seems to be taking something in this country. Everybody is on something, where, no matter if it's prescribed or if it's recreational. It just seems like it's uh, way overboard. And, and, and right now, uh, obviously, too, I know I've seen you at the White House speaking there with the president. Uh, I know that you're a Trump supporter. I, I've had Eric Trump on my show here on the podcast. And, you know, I got destroyed for having him on here. And it's like we've never seen uh, such a divide and such hatred coming politically in this country, which it seems to be getting out of control be because that you have been supporting Trump. Has that uh, hurt your business in any way? Has that affected you and the my pillow and the whole story? Right. Well, let me let me tell you something. You go back to this. You know, when I quit all my addiction. I seen. I came out of it. I had never voted. I didn't know anything about politics. I had never paid attention. I was an addict. Well, I came out of that, and I look around me, and it was like the world had changed. Everyone, a president was giving money to an evil empire. All my friends were unemployed. They were losing their houses and all these things. And I'm going, what happened? What did I miss? You got and uh, and then in the summer of 2016, then Donald Trump, candidate Donald Trump, reached out to me to meet me, in a, it was a private meeting in New York City and in Trump Tower. And I met with him for a half hour and he went, he was telling me, you know, Mike, you're my pillow, you make it here in the US. And we talked about, I told him, you know, I'm gonna have this big network to help addicts. I said, I was a former crack addict. And I just, I, this amazing man, I listened to, you know, took in this, because back and forth. 
And I walked out there and he said what he was going to do to help the drug, the drugs and bring jobs back. And I walked out there and I said, wow, he's going to be the greatest president in history. I went and talked to his workers and his employees and every one of them that said, you know, he's the best boss. He's the, you know, I had to ver validate what I had just seen. And so I got back to Minnesota. Now this is August of 2016 and I was Minnesota's darling. They would, if I reached out to the media, they'd go, Hey, you're going to, you got, you're doing this. Let's come and do a story on it. Well, I reached out and did a press release that I had met with Donald Trump and none, I didn't even say what we talked about. I was attacked, called a racist and everything else. Nobody had me on their show. The lawyers in California attacked me. The Better Business Bureau took me from an A plus to an F. And I'm going, what did I do? You know, but you know what? I stood fast for what I believed in. And now I'll tell you what, my busiest day is always the day we're in. God has rewarded me for standing tall. Just when I always wear my cross on TV, I got attacked for that too all the time. And I'll tell you what. Right now, it's almost like when I was at the Rose Garden, I got attacked right after that, right after my speech. It was like a rerun from years ago. But it didn't bother me this time because you know what? Those are just hosts out there and a few far lefts because I, this isn't about politics to me. This is, We're all in this together. I didn't back. I was never a Republican or a Democrat. All right, dads, if you're looking for a great night's sleep, you have got to get a MyPillow. Guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. There's a reason why MyPillows are flying off the shelf, and that's because it is a first-class product that's made right here in the United States of America. And the comfort doesn't stop with just the MyPillow. Check out MyPillow.com, and you'll see a whole wide variety of comfortable products, such as towel sets, Giza Dream Sheets, mattress toppers, MyPillow bathrobes, pajama sets, and so much more. You guys have heard my interview with First Class Father and MyPillow founder Mike Lindell right here on the podcast. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save up to 66% off their orders. That's right, up to 66% off on MyPillow.com by using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Or simply call 1-800-875-0219 and your savings will be instantly applied. Don't go another night without a MyPillow. Visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD or call 1-800-875-0219 and save up to 66% off your order on MyPillow. And I'll tell you what. Right now, it's almost like when I was at the Rose Garden, I got attacked right after that, right after my speech. It was like a rerun from years ago. But it didn't bother me this time because you know what? Those are just hosts out there and a few far lefts because I, this isn't about politics to me. This We're all in this together. I didn't back. I was never a Republican or a Democrat. But I know one thing. This president, he's changed a party into the common sense party. And I stand behind him. I've seen what the great hope he gave us before this pandemic with common sense, what can be done. And I'll tell you what, I went, I was so proud of everybody that got behind me from both sides when I got attacked after the Rose Garden speech. For one person on Twitter that said something bad, a hundred people went, wait a minute, he's, you know, he's helping make masks and helping this. And, you know, so, you know, he's all he said was, hey, let's stay at home and pray and get into our Bibles and bring God. God turned his back on, the, we turned our country, we turned our back on God. And I said, let's get back in the word. And and it was great to see that amount of support because it's a very small voice that has the big media and the fake news and all this stuff. I, you know, I'm not going to change. So it's, it was funny. They go, boycott Mike Lindell and my pillow. 
and then another one will come up there, another bot or troll will go, don't, bo don't boycott him, he'll double his ads. We see enough of that guy. And that's the truth. The more you go after me, I'm coming right back. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, they, uh, to the point of I get fed up with uh, stuff going on in my home state of Minnesota and people want me to run for governor, you know, we'll see. <laughs> well, I'll be, I, I would love to see you do that, Mike. And I, I couldn't have been happier to hear you in the Rose Garden talking about, because you're right, this country has turned its back on God. And I, I, I try to help with the kids that, that I'll talk to, and I'll, I'll, I'll use athletes. And I'll say, you know what, they suppress God so much. But when you see an athlete that just wins the Super Bowl or does these things, the first thing they do, what do they do? They thank God for them. Yeah. Uh, for their for their victory and they boast right. in the Lord and you see that and then they, they can't suppress that because it's live TV and if they could they would but uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you uh, I, I think that uh, if even about with addiction uh, the president is somebody that uh, he, he doesn't drink he doesn't smoke he doesn't he's not his kids don't drink and they're not addicts they're not druggies so everyone right. thinks like oh you could be a multi-millionaire like it's so some so simple to do when we've seen Hollywood and all these places that are millionaires just littered with alcohol, drugs, and many of them fill up the cemeteries because of it. Well, they're they're empty. Uh, they're empty. They need their their hearts are broken. Their hearts are smashed. They need their hearts restored. I pray for those people every day. You know, they. I'll tell you, I was out in Hollywood last year with my movie Unplanned, and I was at a red carpet event. And this was a you know, it's a true story of Abby Johnson. She worked for Planned Parenthood, seeing what was going on, and flipped. And and I was out there, and there was all these protesters. And I, they're going, hey, Mike, can we get your picture? I went right over to them. They said, put your signs on, took pictures with them. And, I, and you know, this, it just shows you that, the, you know, that, and then I asked them, I said, what are you guys, pro-choice or something, you know, going on here? And, they, and uh, they said, oh, no, we're getting paid. You know, they were paid protesters. And I went there in the summer of 16, and I was doing a TV show, and everyone in the room, they were, you know, I was saying to how, I'm, how I supported Donald Trump, and, and they're going, a hush fell over the crowd, and I'm, Throughout the whole day, everyone came up to me and said, I'm really voting for him, but I can't say it here. And only one person was controlling that whole narrative because they couldn't. If I said it to you or you said it to me, going, hey, we got one over here. You know, I just don't understand it. You've got this great common sense, pragmatic president who's got a gift from God of taking in all this information and being able to take, OK, make a good decision, knowing what it's going to manifest to not just problem solution, but knowing what it's going to manifest to. And what we're so blessed to have him in charge of our country at such a time as this. And, and uh, it's just, um, I just can't say that's why I'm, you know, I'm all in and I ain't changing. Yeah. And you know what, uh, Mike, I, I have uh, press credentials for the, uh, for the white house. I've been there many times, uh, you know, in, in, right in the briefing room there with all of these white house correspondents and I'm always the fish out of water, but it, just to see, what goes on there is very, very uh, alarming and eye-opening with the way that they're shaping stories and, and they have their agendas. And it's just like basically almost like whatever fits the suit, like is what they're going for there. They, they already have the story there. They just need the clip or the sound bite. So it, it's, uh, you know, what? I'm not getting into any more of that. Reining it back into you as a dad here. Um, what type of disciplinarian have you been as a dad? And is it different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Um, no, it was about this. I think it was about the same. I, um, I only, uh, it's kind of a funny story here. You know, I only, I only had to spank one of my kids one time. He had shot the neighbor kid with a, with a dark gun or something. And, and I told him not, not to shoot him around the house or whatever. And I just went to spank him. And he said, here's what he said to me. He goes, you can't spank me. My teacher said I can sue you. I said, well, good for you. And I spanked him and said, tell your teacher we'll split the money. You know, <laughs> you know, 
you know, but it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, I had neighbors that uh, all their kids, even their kids, I, I remember grounding a kid, a neighbor kid, my kid goes, you can't ground him, he's not your kid. The neighbors seemed to, you know, they all trusted me with their kids. We were like the hub, all the kids were over there and, and I built forts and stuff for the kids and, and in the backyard and they, and um, it was kind of, it, I guess it was the same kind of discipline. It was, you know, more of a grounding. It wasn't, a, we weren't, it wasn't very strict. I wasn't very strict. I mean, my, my parents, because of that, I guess maybe because of the divorce and, and when I'd be with my dad, then, he, you know, there's no rules went out the window because you didn't see him that much. And with my mom and my stepdad, you know, it was like when new rules got put in, but I was rebellious because all of a sudden I didn't have rules, then I had rules. And um, so we had, you know, for a dysfunctional family, we were very, um, um, you know, I think so. You know, I th I, I've said it before, addiction affects everyone, no matter how many forks you eat with. But as a parent, there's all levels of addiction. And to be a functioning addict or a functioning uh, a parent that uh, in that space, I think it was very similar. Like I say, it wasn't, uh, um, there wasn't any anger things. You know, you didn't have that type of a thing or anybody any violent stuff. It was mostly, uh, you know, just, uh, I guess if I'd say when I did wrong parenting, it was, uh, because of my own back then it was cocaine, my own self, you know, the stuff I did with my kids was more for me. You know, we did my, some of my kids, I'd have them doing things they didn't even want to do. Uh, my one kid, I didn't really particularly like hunting. And I'd say, no, you're coming with us. And, and, uh, we're going to have so much fun. It'll take a smile off our face. Well, you know, he didn't like it. And I'm going to, you know, and you're trying to force things to, and, you know, if I look back now, I'd want to listen more and say, what would you like to do? And those are the things that, uh, um, it was a lot of my self self-centeredness being, you know, as a parent. And, um, so that's, uh, if I could change anything, it would have been that, you know? Yeah. And I think just like how we said, how, you know, the country's turned its back on God, the, the family unit in this country has been completely destroyed and broken down. We have a bad fatherless crisis in our, in our country, so many kids are growing up without a dad. And we look at the results of that, the, the, the stats on, on kids that become uh, more addicted, uh, teenage pregnancies, teenage suicide. It all correlates with the amount of kids that are growing up without a father or father influence in their life. So it has just as devastating effects combined with the fact that God's been removed from society. Just those two things alone, if we could straighten them out, I think most of these problems we're seeing in our country would start to just go away here. A hundred, you're a hundred percent right. I want to tell you, they did a poll of a prison. This was two years ago, and I and they did this poll. Now prisons are felons. They've, uh, you know, they're in there more than a year, and it's not county jail. Okay, they did a poll. How many of the inmates that were in there, both of their their parents, uh, got married, planned to say, hey, let's have a child, have the child, and we're still together while the while the person was in that prison. What percentage do you think of the prison population? I would say under 5%. It was zero. Yeah. And they just another prison. It was zero. When you went down to the county jail level, which was usually, you know, like um, gross misdemeanors and stuff, it went up a little bit. But And if, you, uh, if you'd never been in trouble, it was up the marriage rate, just like I just told you, was way up here, the family unit. And you hit the two most important things, like I said, at the gross guard. We took God out of our schools. We took the families out. Um, look at the, the black demographics, you know, in the 19, after the 1960s. You know, my I, I got divorced when divorces weren't common. I was the only kid in my school from a divorced, um, um, you know, from a divorced family. And all my friends, you know, in Minneapolis, when they did, you know, all these 
They, none of them, the fatherless, they said, okay, we'll pay you more if you don't have a father. You know, that's what they, that's what the government did back then, you know, in the late 60s. And, and so look, all this stuff, all the fatherless now is just, you know, I'm friends, very great friends with Jack Brewer. And he, you know, we're doing stuff in these prisons now. And all it is is fatherlessness. And then the, the, the grandmother becomes the, the matriarch, becomes the mother to the children. And that's kind of, you know, I experienced some of that because my grandma, I got the closest to my grandma when my mom's working and during those few years that I didn't, you know, that during this divorce of mine. So I've lived with all that. I've seen it with my own eyes and see what it manifests to. And you are 100 percent right. You bring God back. You bring the family unit back. And man, it wipes out so many bad things. It's it's absolutely, it could be amazing. And I do believe that we're in the greatest revival in world history because you know what? People don't pray and look to God except for in times that they need something or things are bad and things are looking pretty tough. Yeah, no atheists in a foxhole. I agree with you, Mike, and I have all the faith in the world that it, it is coming back and we are on, on the path for a revival here. And I look yeah. forward to it. What's and, and, you know, you've had so much success here already. What, what kind of goals or plans do you have here for yourself for the future? Well, I've got, um, you know, I've been working so hard with this stuff with this pandemic, and I've heard so many good things, which you're going to hear about soon. But I, uh, the president picked, you know, he had me, he appointed me as uh, chairman of the Minnesota Trump campaign. I've realized now how important politics are to our everyday lives. So, you know, I might end up going that route. Um and uh, it will, we'll have to see, I'll pray about it. But what I am gonna be doing is my pillow has always been a platform for something much bigger. So I've been evangelizing, speaking to massive crowds. I have a big thing coming up. It's called The Return on the, in Washington, D.C. in September. It'll be one of the biggest evangelist events in world history, speaking at that. But I'm, when this pandemic ends, I'm gonna launch, it's called the Lindell Recovery Network. It's gonna help millions of addicts out of addiction. And you can, and I've said it's, uh, I've been working on it two years. I self-funded, I, I, pre, I published my own book, self-published and even bought my own paper so that I pre-printed 3 million copies. And that money is going for my own network. I'm, you know, this whole, it's just going to be amazing. I've been at 4,500 faith-based treatment centers that work, over 60,000 churches involved and the best online help in history. So my, my thing is just to be, to you know, spread God's word and spread be evangelist and whatever uh, that or my pillow's always been just a platform. So I got a lot of things going, but here's what I here's what I can tell you. I go by Proverbs three five six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understandings, and always acknowledge Him, and He will guide your paths. And that's what I'm living by. Yeah, great stuff, Mike. And you know what? Last thing I'm going to hit you with here. I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast here. What type of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Really, really listen to your child and just and hear him. Be in the moment and hear him. And that's uh, I think that's just so important. You know, let him be heard. That he or she be heard. And uh, and um, just enjoy it. I'll tell you what. And then enjoy those years because you they pass so fast. They just in a blink of an eye, your kids are older. And you go, what did I miss? So enjoy every moment, enjoy it, and, uh, and really let, let them be heard. Because you know what? There's so much joy in that you can't imagine, and that's my advice. Yeah, very well said, Mike. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been an honor for me. i got to say, you're a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having me on. God bless. 
Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Mike Lindell for giving me a few minutes of his time. That was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Keep it locked in. A lot more action coming your way this week. Wednesday, Fox & Friends co-host Pete Hegseth joins me on the podcast. He's got a brand new book out. Don't miss out on that. And then Friday, I've got a very special guest for my 50th Navy SEAL episode of First Class Fatherhood, a special Frogman Friday edition. Eddie Gallagher joins me here on the podcast. All right, so don't miss out on any of that. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Tall as a tree